0: Welcome to Universal Wink. I'm Win Thornley. In this episode, I'm going to share my personal experience with an entity known as the Hat Man and how this all started when I was a child. In the line of work that I am in, I get to hear a lot of stories about different visitors and entities and all the things that go bump in the night. I take it as my personal responsibility to research paranormal experience, and how they're presented in different cultures and spiritual texts, it makes for a lot of interesting reading, you know what I mean? My whole life, I seem to have built a habit of leaning towards the dark side of light work. And I don't think that this is an accident. I just want to begin by clarifying what I actually mean by the dark side of light work. I have had all kinds of energy walk into my healing room or try to hide within the walls of the homes that I have the opportunity to cure. Most times, what's lingering around is easily neutralized and transmuted. But every now and again, I'm called to lift heavier, more complex energetic ulcers that pack a darker punch. This is some of my favorite work, mainly because I have seen how life changing it can be for my clients. When somebody finally believes them and has a remedy for their unexplained ailment or paranormal complaint. I've been guided for a long time now to share uh, some of these experiences with you uh, with the intention to let others know, you know what, you're not alone. And it also helps to create an open conversation around uncomfortable topics. Since this is my first of many episodes I've planned around this subject, I felt we might as well start with one of the most foreboding entities that has experienced through every culture and has been documented in some form for thousands of years, the hat man. I called him the man in the hat, but as I have searched for answers around this dark figure that I was visited by several times as a child, I have found out this phenomenon is experienced all over the world and no matter the culture, the experience is quite similar. I wanted to share with you what I have personally experienced. But I want you to know this is not easy for me to share. I was kind of like upset with my angels when I was guided to share my story about the hat man. And uh, as I do, you'll find out why it's uncomfortable for me. It really influenced me and I believe the visits I received from this entity really helped to form me into the person that I am today. So when I was little, I was always naturally having paranormal experiences. I would see unusual things in our house. An example of that was like an old cat that we used to have that was long gone. I often seen him wandering around the house. Or I would hear footsteps coming down the hallway towards my bedroom at night. And I would sometimes even chat with people in my room when I was actually supposed to be sleeping. I learned at a very early age that people don't believe you when you tell them things like this. It's like a weird sort of gaslighting our culture is programmed to do to people when it comes to the world of the unknown, but especially when it comes from a child. My parents would often say things like, oh, the house is just settling or, oh, you must have heard the pipes knocking. But basically what I heard was, that's enough about that, thank you very much. So I would share with my sister and my friends, but even then I became very well aware that I couldn't share what I was experiencing with just anyone, because it was uh, frightening and scary to others. I didn't know I was supposed to be scared of this stuff. It's always happened. In the beginning, I don't ever remember feeling scared. I remember feeling more intrigued, curious, a little confused. That was uh, all before the man in the hat arrived. After the man in the hat arrived, my life with spirit changed. I don't recall how old I was when the man in the hat visited me for the first time. The first thing I do recall though, is my mattress. I used to have one of those water beds. Do you remember those? I loved my water bed. My whole family actually had one of their own. If I think about it, I'm pretty sure my mom had one up until just recently. Um, so when I was a kid, I wasn't a very good sleeper. So I would often rock myself in my water bed and listen to the radio or read a book in order to pass the time. I also remember getting in trouble for that quite a bit. (laughs) Um, But this is why I recall the mattress so clearly. Let me lead more into that. The waterbed heater on my bed failed. And this gave my dad the opportunity to replace my childhood bed that I've always known with a futon mattress. What a change. I felt like I was sleeping on a wooden plank. But anyway, that's besides the point. I was trying to think about how old I was. By the time i'd gotten that futon mattress and the best guess i can come, w- come up with is about 12 years old i know for sure i wasn't little little but i also know for sure i wasn't yet in high school so i can tell you that by this age the futon mattress age i'd also gotten pretty private with my spooky experiences The first experience with the man in the hat is still very clear in my mind. Like, seriously, as if it happened yesterday. I recall waking from a dream. Whether the dream was good or bad, I don't recall. But I do recall feeling fully awake. As my eyes looked into the darkness, I became immediately aware of a figure standing in the doorway of my bedroom. I could feel my eyes get really, really wide as I realized this was definitely not my dad or any of my family members. Then I became really scared, like paralyzing fear. The next thing I felt was the pounding of my heart and my hands gripped my blanket and brought it right up to my chin. I honestly thought that I might poop myself, guys. Like it was frightening. This figure filled my doorway almost completely. All I could see was an outline of a man Wearing a long trench coat, slacks, boots, and a flat, wide-brim hat. But not like a cowboy hat or a fedora, really, but more like a bolero-style hat. It was so freaky because, like, I could tell this man was staring at me. Yet he was featureless. Nothing but darkness. I felt so much dread. I didn't know what to do. And I certainly didn't know what he was going to do. But it felt really menacing so naturally i shut my eyes real tight and i ended up covering up my head with my blanket as my last chance defense after a few minutes i finally got the curse take a peek and he was gone the feeling was gone and that was the last night i slept with my bedroom door open and the funny thing is guys even as an adult i still have a lingering fear of sleeping with my bedroom door open. I didn't share my experience with the man in the hat for a long time after the first visit. I really thought it must have been a nightmare, because that's certainly how it felt. This was the first time in my life I recall shutting down my mediumship gifts, even though at the time I was not conscious of that. My experience with spirit had never been scary before this, even when I had visits from the shadow people. And I'll go into more detail in another episode about the shadow people. But know when you start to research this thing, the man in the hat is often compared to them. But in my personal experience, these two energies are unique, and uh, not even close to the same. But you know, I began receiving visits from both energies in around the same age. The next time I experienced the man in the hat, he showed me that closing my door was pretty much pointless there. He stood in my doorway and the experience was the exact repeat of the first time. But when I finally got the courage to take a peek from under my blanket, he was gone. And guess what? My bedroom door was closed, not open. And then my fear amplified. Over the next few years, There were a few more nights that involved this dark visitor, but I also noticed an increase in paranormal activity all around me. I started to hear voices strongly in my ears, especially around bedtime. Many of them I couldn't understand. Uh, They were men, women, children. Some spoke English. Most others sounded like gibberish or mumbled speech to me. So I also felt a lot of emotions coming through these voices and oftentimes they sounded scared or even angry. I recall being about 17 by this point, And this is when I began to fully shut down my mediumship skills. I was really nervous because by this age, I knew that mental illness was in my family lineage. This influenced me to look into mental illness though. I wanted to know what it was and what I should look for in myself. I conducted my own research on multiple personalities, schizophrenia, bipolar, manic depressive, uh, what treatments look like for these conditions. And this was all at my school library. I didn't want to be caught in my neighborhood library looking for this stuff. You know, I mean, did you know back in the early 1900s, doctors in sanatoriums and mental asylums had conducted procedures on their patients that would have gotten them charged with crimes against humanity today? As a teenager? I believe that they might still do some of these barbaric procedures, considering my high school had super dated material. And this was also a time before the internet had become what it is today. I decided at this point to share my experience with my mom. And this led to my entry into the world of psychologists, psychiatrists, substance abuse, and completely shutting down my mental or my uh, mediumship gifts for over 13 years. This gives me an opportunity to share with you my recent appearance on Dixie Bennett's Inspired Women Gathering show. You can find our episode together on her YouTube channel and podcast of the same name. In this special interview, Dixie and I talk about my experiences with the mental health community and the years of working through a misdiagnosis as a paranoid schizophrenic. This is an area that I have done an incredible amount of personal healing around, and I talk about it for the first time in great depth with my longtime friend and leader in the community of the healing arts, Dixie Bennett. If you want to hear more about that chapter in my life, check out my show notes for the link to this interview. After all those experiences as a kid, and fully shutting down my own gifts... I never did part ways with the world of the strange and unusual. I was still drawn to things like horror movies, paranormal shows, um, ancient cultures, and anything that involves stuff that goes bump in the night. I have so many books on haunted places, ghost stories, poltergeists, secret societies, all the things, all the things. I was always on the dark side of light work because... I didn't know about angels or other beings of light just yet. I had grown up in a family that didn't practice religion or had any foundations of any kind of spiritual beliefs that I was really aware of. I mean, in my house, God and Jesus were swear words, you know, like that's how it was done. So I didn't know. And I felt that only darkness would lead me to learning about who this man in the hat was. I thought that if I could find other people who also experienced this, that maybe I would find out I'm not actually crazy. I mean, it felt too real to be crazy. But of course, that's what a crazy person would say, right? So in my mid 20s, I had also begun to see psychics, but never dabbled in the psychic arts myself until much later as far as practicing. And it was actually a trusted medium who told me I was gifted in the realm of mediumship and that I needed to get off antipsychotic drugs that my psychiatric team had had me on for almost a decade. This person saved my life and I don't even think she knows it yet, but that's another story to share another time. Okay. So back in the early two thousands, it did become a lot easier to find information and case studies on this type of entity it often fell under the category of sleep paralysis. Now, if you're not aware of what sleep paralysis is, let me give you a little crash course on it. Okay. Uh, it's a common physical event that happens to almost everybody at some point in their life. It's totally normal and scientifically documented. This is where we get into the subject of sleep analysis and the varying degrees of sleep states. To keep a long story short, The most well-known sleep state is REM sleep, R-E-M sleep. In this sleep state, we experience our most vivid dreams. Our bodies are like super intelligent guys and you know, they know how to protect us from harm. So when we drop into the REM sleep state, our bodies will go into a paralyzed state naturally so that we don't act out our dreams physically while we're unconscious. Like that's pretty cool, right? Anyway. So what sleep doctors have learned is that when our mental faculties awaken before this paralyzed body state ends, then we experience something known as sleep paralysis. Patients often complain about feeling paralyzed, constricted breathing, almost like something is pressing on their chest or someone is sitting on their chest, increased heart rates, inability to talk or even scream all they can do is move their eyes. I've also watched documentaries that talk about nightmares and sleep paralysis, where sleep experts share experiences of their case studies that involve the hat man or an old hag standing in the corner of the room or in the doorway, or even actually sitting on top of the person's chest, taking breath from their mouths. I've also read that seeing spiders and other creepy crawlies is common for those who experience sleep paralysis. There's a YouTube channel out there named Quartz that I was uh, watching while I was researching this episode and it has an episode that discusses the hat man. The sleep expert in that video goes on to say that he's not even sure why so many people have such a similar experience and why they're always disturbing during sleep paralysis. He wonders why people never report a fun and happy experience. In my mind, this is where we get into how the brain is trying to fill in the story about the information it is receiving, but how the mixed states of our body can bring about the brain projecting false information. But the thing that everybody agrees on, there is something happening. And to thousands of people around the world every year for thousands of years. So who? Or what is the man in the hat? Easy answer? I don't know. But I do have a couple of theories. Lots of my spiritual studies have fallen into the territory. Lots of light workers shy away from. I'm intrigued by superstitions, cryptozoology, famous specters of the past, cultural boogeymen and demonic spirits. I have to greet my clients where they are at and beliefs play a large role in getting to the root of any complaint or unexplainable ailment. This combined with my advanced studies on the subjects of angelology, Ascended Masters, Reiki and the Akashic Records, I feel I now have a really well-rounded knowledge base on all flavors of spiritual beliefs and how they are presented in different cultures, religions and spiritual systems. It's been a lot of personal study, guys, but after many classes, videos, movies, books, like all the things that I've dipped into over the years and working with teachers who are experts in the field of energy and channeling, I feel really, really, really blessed. So why am I telling you all this? Well, I want to express to you that I have lots of experience and learning of working with diverse energy forms, and I have a really deep understanding of the cultural stigma Especially since I lived through some of it myself, I've often pondered um, if that if Hatman is some sort of malevolent spirit that is in this game to feed off of fear, appearing to those who have a little bit more sensitivities to subtle energies, but especially children. There are many tales of demons who invoke fear to absorb that type of energy in order to thrive. Maybe this. This entity is some type of overlord or keeper of a portal or gateway. The one thing I know is he definitely projects the energy that he's the one in charge and he will do as he pleases. Another theory I have is that maybe the hat man is an energetic projection of a real person, someone who is a master of remote viewing or astral travel. This type of person would know how to manipulate their own energy and others there are whispers in my community of a malevolent group of uh, those who use their psychic gifts to oppress the population and control how magic, alchemy, and divine wisdom can be used or is delivered to the public. They actually go out and psychically attack those who are gifted in order to frighten and scare them. And the reason why they do this is because the more people who are scared of their own psychic gifts, The more they will shut down their gifts instead of using them to empower themselves. This fear is detrimental to our collective consciousness because it keeps our collective energy low and creates separation in our people. This would be the goal of the Melvin group, bound and determined to keep people trapped in the old narrative and to make sure control of the mass population is maintained by continuing to spread misinformation, and fear around exploring our own natural spiritual gifts. This is my last theory. I only have three around this, so this is my last theory. This is one that's been bouncing around my brain for a couple years now. You know, now that we're in a time where information is so readily available to us, and we have a lot more studies to back up things like sleep analysis, energy healing, and the paranormal, I often wonder if sleep paralysis gives us a glimpse into the world of the astral realm, lifting the veil, just for a moment, so to speak, okay. So in many spiritual systems, there's talk about multiple spiritual realms, dimensions, densities, or whatever you want to call it, okay, something higher, bigger than us. The astral realm is considered the closest to our physical world. And it is said that this is where our human souls go once we pass over among other things. I often wonder if sleep paralysis gives the human body the right conditions to see through the veil between the physical and astral realms, and that we might actually be witnessing some type of spirit that is naturally residing in this realm of duality. So something to think about. What are your thoughts? So, you know, now that I've talked about all the spooky stuff, you must be wondering if I still experience visitations from the hat man absolutely not not since i took my very first reiki class and here's my theory on that our personal vibration has a lot to do with what we naturally attract into our lives and this includes spirit i have learned a whole lot about maintaining full control of my aura and chakra system and also having the ability to clear these energetic systems out daily or even regularly, has definitely aligned me to better opportunities in all areas of my life. I have also learned how to use the light in order to banish the dark. So there's a part of me that feels like the hat man knows better than to come knocking around my door again. Now I have the spiritual tools to lighten any energetic ulcer that I come into contact with, and the wisdom to know when it's time to call in for backup. Not that I would ever, ever, ever provoke any kind of entity, in my opinion, that is practicing dirty and dangerous energy work. It is not my job to be running around, calling forth anything that's not committed to rising its vibration to angelic energy or higher, but it is my job to show up when the living are being troubled by such energy. And I have to remind those trickster spirits who is really in charge in the 3D realm also while giving respect and compassion for the work that's at hand. I might be comfortable transmuting darkness into light, but that does not mean I go picking fights, but I'm no longer afraid of what goes bump in the night because of the training and personal study that I've acquired over my short lifetime. So now you might be asking what the heck happens if he shows up here? There are ways to protect yourself always, okay? So if you've been experiencing something like the Mount Nana Hat, maybe try some of these things before you go further, okay? Before bed, and I do this every night, it is always a great idea to create an intention or a prayer routine that sets up your energy for the night. Consider adding a personal boundary within your prayers that demands you are left alone by any energy that vibrates lower than the angelic realm. And this is at night so that you can sleep in peace. Envision yourself wrapped in divine white light, sealing up your aura tight. When we call in God, source, your angels, or other spiritual guides that you're connected to, and we ask them to help wrap ourselves and our home in their protective light, it's way more powerful than you would ever think. The archangel that I work with a lot in my spiritual work is Archangel Michael. He is known as an angel of protection, he who is like God, and he is built to cast away our adversaries. Anyone at any time can call out to, to the gods, the angels, and the heavens for support. No religion and no special training is needed, okay? Just the intention is strong enough to pull them close to you. You don't need a course to call in your angels and God, okay? Okay. You know, on a side note, the one thing I wanted to cover is we can get into all kinds of protection herbs, spells, incantations, and invocations. But at the end of the day, that which you allow will continue. You absolutely have the power to say, you are not welcome. And I command you to get out of my house, out of my energy right now, return to Return to where you came from, never to return to this reality for all of eternity. The spirit world has to abide by the boundary you have created. So it is and so it shall be. If you feel you need extra help with any paranormal activity that is happening in your world, or would like a deeper understanding of something unexplainable that you are experiencing, please reach out for help. Reach out for support. We are now living in a time where it is safe for mediums, sages, and witches to practice openly. There are many healers, including myself, that will believe you and assist you in diagnostics, clearing, and curing if required. Not only are we ready to restore harmony between the physical and spiritual world, but our intention is to also provide education in most matters of paranormal activity. And giving those in need simple tools that can help deflect any unwanted visitors before they even dare step through your walls. Thank you so much for popping by this episode and spending some time with me. I really appreciate you being here. If you like the topic I covered today or would like to share an experience of your own, leave me a message on my Anchor FM page there you can leave a recorded message that I can listen to and potentially share in a future episode part of my life path involves creating a conversation around topics that make us uncomfortable so I want to offer a safe space for you to share topics like the hat man openly and without fear of judgment I know how healing it has been for me to share my story and I hope it gives you courage to begin sharing yours Remember to check my show notes to learn more about my story and what led me to become a professional practitioner and teacher in the psychic and energetic arts. I invite you to follow me on my social media and website. This is where I connect to my people outside of Anchor FM. Search Wins Soul Remedies. In these online spaces, you will find information regarding weekend retreats, one-day workshops, and when enrollment begins for my 6-12 to month intuitive Reiki course, which opens each spring and fall. It's still a weird time, but it's nice to see some restrictions are now being lifted. I'm still keeping an eye on things, but that doesn't mean I'm not busy planning some group events for the coming months. When we gather together in person, magic amplifies, so this is why I will continue with in-person group classes moving forward. Watch for a potential DIY summer product make and take class that may pop up in the next couple weeks, depending on how things go as my province and country reopens. Just a little of a sneak peek. I plan to show you how to make an outdoor comfort spray that annoys skeeters and a multi-purpose after sun care you will reach for all year round. Once again, Thank you so much for sticking around to the end, and I'll catch you in the next episode. Until then, take good care.